Man, what a mighty God we serve, friends. Now, I've been in a lot of houses, a lot of church families on Sunday morning. Coming from Nashville, I hear a lot of music. Being in the music business, I hear a lot of worship teams. You, sir, are blessed. This church family, Ryan, you like Clark Kent when you meet you. Just all, you know, hey, brother, how you doing? Good to meet you, Ryan. Good to meet you. And he gets up there with that guitar on, and a microphone, and has a secret sauce wife standing next to him. He turns into a lion of worshiping up there. Ryan the Lion. Oh, you bring him down to earth when he gets home, right? Okay. My wife does. You know, you, honey, you talk in front of all those people, but you got to take out the trash right now. Oh, <laughs> keeping it real. I have uh, fallen in love with Henderson, Kentucky. I, I have. Uh, because, number one, your pastor, Pastor Chad, thank you for uh, all that you do in this city, all that the Lord is calling you to do. But you knew. Take me to a restaurant where there was guy food. Old Chicago had pizza, which I will have in the car ride on the way to the hotel this afternoon. So that was number one. Number two... When I met Eddie with his stylish haircut, I said, I know I'm home. Ball-headed brigade. Josh, you're still in denial, brother. I thought you would have changed. Rachel, can he, can he cut it? Oh, brother, what are you waiting for? What? Happy wife, happy life, man. Cut that thing. Especially now... After our, after our meal, and we had a wonderful time. I mean, Mike, Kevin, Bob, where's Bob? Bob, and I realized how, Bob, how successful Bob was when I met Sharon. I said, oh, okay, I thought you were homeless. <laughs> we had a great time, just a great time. And when we left the restaurant... I knew, oh, I know I'm home because right in front of my car goes this semi-bald dude on a hog. I went, yes! Not afraid. No helmet. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I done started something. I've started something. Father, in the name, protect this head. <laughs> And then I come in this morning, and I know that I'm home because I've discovered something, friends. Just looking at all of your smiling faces, wonderful hearts. I've discovered something. You know what I've discovered? That I am woefully overdressed in this place. Woo!
Now a brother can breathe up here. Tyless and jacketless. Oh yes. Now I'm now I'm home. You gotta tell me when Pastor Hagee shows up because I gotta put it back on. No, just kidding. (laughs) He wouldn't mind. He'd say, "Son, take it off. They have it off. You take it off." So I saw Mike up here with his sleeves rolled up. So we're going to get busy. Because friends, when it comes to Israel, it's high kingdom business. Kingdom business. And the reason why I refer to it as high kingdom business is because there are three areas of high kingdom business. Three. And they are in this order. I'm not dogmatic about a lot of things, but I am dogmatic about the order of these three high kingdom business areas. High kingdom business area number one to our king. You do realize you're serving a king, right? He is not just our Messiah. He is our king. His Greek name, Jesus. His Hebrew name, Yeshua. Which is a derivative of Yehoshua. Which is a derivative of Yehovah saves. Joshua comes from Yehoshua. Yehovah saves. And when they said, you will name this child Yeshua. Because he will save his people and the world. Jesus saves. That's what Yeshua means. It means the Lord saves. So this is high kingdom business. When he comes back, the king of heaven will not have a crown on his back. Or a cross, I should say, on his back. He'll have a crown on his head. When he comes back, he won't be on a donkey. did that already. He came into the city on a donkey, man of peace. When he comes back, he's coming back as a conquering monarch. And you better get used to it. He's not a president. You cannot vote Jesus into his office. You can't. He's there whether you like it or not. He's king. In Hebrew, it would be referred to as the Melech Ha'olam. Melech means king. Ha'olam means of the universe. King of the universe. He made it. So what the king says, that's what goes. You know what the king's constitution is, right? This, right here. This is the constitution of the kingdom. This book right here. Everything you need to know about the king's kingdom is in that book. Right there. Now when I come into the house of God and we are doing a formal presentation... Normal. I don't use my phone. I have the Bible on my phone. If you brought the physical Bible into church today, hold it up. Hold it up, hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. There you go, there you go. All right, thank you. If you brought your Bible on your phone, hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Hold it up. Okay, you guys with your Bibles on your phones, this is not a point of legalism. 
not going to put any legal trip on anyone. However, there's only one thing in this book, and that's the Word of God. There are several things on your phone. Several. As a minister, the king told me, Lyndon Allen, he told me, when you're in front of my people and you're giving a presentation, I want a sense of exclusivity with my word. Because when you hold this up, there's no mistaking what's in here. And the centerfold of this book is clean. Because when you look at the Bible on your phone, you can get pinged by Twitter with a notification while you're reading the word. You won't get tweeted when you're reading this book. No other notifications come unless the Holy Spirit tells you, go to Zephaniah. So, honor the book. Now, I do know the Lord is into technology because he gave Moses the Ten Commandments on two tablets. Alright, they'll get better than that. I hope. High Kingdom business area number one to our king. Number one. The sanctity of human life. Sanctity of human life. Not here to talk about the importance of that, but you already know. That's high kingdom business area number one for God, for any civilization. The sanctity of human life. Why do I say it's number one? Because God made a man and put him in a garden. That's God defining life. High kingdom business area number one. How a nation deals with the sanctity of human life will determine whether or not they exist or not. God judged his own people on that issue alone. Do you know why God exiled Israel to Babylon? It was abortion. They were burning their children in the fire. That's why he said, you got to go. You're shedding innocent blood. Out! And you'll be gone for 70 years. That was the term of their exile. 70 years. And then he brought them back because of his great love. The love that, about which we spoke and sung this morning. High kingdom business area number two. In short order, when God made a man, he gave him a woman. Woman, married to a man, that and only that can be called marriage. Nothing else. High kingdom business area number two. Natural, traditional marriage. Period. And high kingdom business area number three occurred about approximately, from the creation of Adam, approximately 1,948 years after the creation of Adam, brings us to Jehovah tapping Abram on the shoulder and saying, You! You're my first Hebrew. You. Oh, okay. What, why? Here's why. My point, man, Adam, bit forbidden fruit and caused sin to enter into humanity. I didn't want him to do that, but he did. There were two bites in Eden, friends. But only one of those bites was the death bite. And it wasn't hers 
it was his. So if, wives, if you're here with your husband, this is when you rib him and go, see, I'm poking you right in that rib where I came from. It's all on you. And it is. We husbands set the temperatures of our homes. We set the trajectory of holiness in our homes. If you don't do it, the wolves will come in and ravage your family. So 1,948 years after the creation of Adam, we get to the tapping on the shoulder of Abram, and he said to him, I am stepping into the bloodline of humanity to redeem it. Because if I don't, they're lost forever. That one bite that Adam took in the Garden of Eden necessitated the king of the universe to step off of his throne and step into the bloodline of humanity to redeem it. Then he changed his name. From Abram to what? Abraham. God put his name in Abram's name. God put his name in Abram's name. He said, we're, we're together now. We're together. Since we're together, I'm stepping into your bloodline. I'm changing your name. Your first name was Abram, which means exalted father. Your new name is now Abraham, which means father of many nations. See, God is not just after the Jews. He's after all of us. The Jews truly are the chosen people, but never, under any circumstances, are you to confuse the word chosen with preferred. Because they're not preferred over any other people group on this planet. He told Nicodemus, for God so loved the all of us. Because we are all descendants of our first parents, Adam and Eve. Don't care what you look like. We all go back to the same parents in the garden. And God loves us immensely. So high kingdom business area number three is Israel. Israel. Why? Because Israel... And the assignment that the Jewish people had, which led to the Messiah, Jesus, is God's redemption plan for the planet. We get saved because God created Israel. We know about God because they meticulously wrote down his word. Meticulously. Were it not for the Jews... We would know who God is. I had a rabbi friend tell me, he doesn't know the Mashiach yet, he doesn't know the Messiah yet. He said, Lyndon, there's not a single Jew in the world that needs a Christian to explain their existence. Not a single Jew. But every Christian needs a Jew. And that Jew is Jesus. Without him, we have no explanation of our existence. You do communion here once a month, correct? Communion. When you have communion, you're doing a Jewish thing. That's a little mini Passover Seder you're having. What we do is very Jewish. So we as Christians, if we choose not to pay attention to Israel, 
you are literally denying God's redemption plan for the planet. This thing is serious. When the king returns, he will have a crown on his head, a rod of iron in his hand, and a royal robe on his back, red. And when he comes back, he's going to have that look on his face. I'm done dealing with you people. I'm done. There comes a point when the Lord says, we're done. That point is coming. He'll be on a mighty steed. Now, in Kentucky, a lot of horse farms, especially in Lexington, right? That area. The first time I saw a 17-hand horse, I mean, they literally count them by hands. One hand, two hand, three hand. First time I saw a 17-hand horse. I'm 6'3". That's a big horse. The nostrils are up here. The ear, the eyes are above that and the ears above that. Now, I can only imagine that God's horse is going to be more than 17 hands. The first thing you want to say when you see a man on a horse that big is, I'm with him. Carry on, King Jesus. <laughs> I'm in your number. My horse is just fine. <laughs> it's high kingdom business. It's the reason why God created Kufi. When I encourage you throughout the presentation here, I'm going to encourage you to join Christians United Freedom. If you've got these cards, please hold them up. All right, all right. All right, Eddie, thank you, brother. Man, they got out there. This card is a pledge to stand with Israel. It's not a uh, pledge for money. If the Lord does lay that upon your heart at the end of the service, and by, by all means, we are fruitful soil. We are getting things done, and you will discover that as the morning progresses. We believe that the Jewish people have a right to live in their ancient homeland. Check. We maintain that there's no excuse for acts of terrorism against Israel. Check. We pledge to stand with our brothers and sisters in Israel and to speak out on their behalf whenever and wherever necessary. Check. Check. Brothers and sisters in Israel, if they believe in at least the first half of this book, you're my brother. And eventually... The Lord, we trust, will open eyes. If you want to know what the King of Heaven is doing with Jewish people, you only need go to the story of Joseph. And it'll tell you. Last night we went into this, and I want to share it with you and bring you into some of our table time discussions. Coat of many colors. That was the first indication that this story is about King Jesus. The coat of many colors. Why? Because King Jesus, around his throne, has a rainbow of many colors. You see, the rainbow are the kingdom colors. Now you know why Satan stole it. He stole it and applied it to a community that cannot produce life and Jesus is the king of life. Stole it. Rainbow is our, these are our colors. 
It represents the body of Messiah. It's a rainbow of colors in the body of Messiah. Coat of many colors, rainbow of many colors. This story is about Jesus. Sold for 20 pieces of silver. Sold for 30 pieces of silver. Put into a pit by his brothers. Thrown onto a cross by his brothers. Rose to a position of ascendancy. Rose to a position of ascendancy. I'm telling you, the story of Joseph is the story of Jesus. So now it's parallel. Position of ascendancy, Jesus in his position of ascendancy. Bodily. If you want to know what, what if you want to know what's going to happen next on this side, we need to just follow the story on this side. What happened next? The brothers come because they're hungry. There's natural famine in the land. Oh, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know that there's spiritual famine in the land. They come looking for food. They're hungry. Joseph, on purpose, hiding his identity, not speaking Hebrew, only speaking Egyptian, through Gentiles that were serving him to serve them. We're hungry. They don't even know who I am. Look, they've come to me. Oh, wow, they're bowing down, just like I dreamed. Very interesting. Here it is. Wow. Talking to his Egyptian servants. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to give them back their money. You're going to give them the grain that they're looking for. These are my relatives. We're going to feed them. They're going to go on their way and tell them this. Tell them if they're hungry again, you can't come back here unless you bring Benjamin. Tell them that. So they go home. They go back to Jacob's like, whoa, dad, and he gave us back our money. This guy is cool. Then they got hungry again. Hey, dad, we got to go back. Oh, by the way, we have to, we got to take, we got to take Benjamin. What? Why are you telling that we have Benjamin? What are we supposed to know? Seemed like a pretty innocent question. All right, take him. Take him. Come back. Oh, here they are again, Joseph. Here they are again. Okay. I'm going to mess with them. I'm going to seat them in their birth order. They won't know what's going on. Boom, boom, boom. He sits them in birth order, indicating that I know you. Because I am you. From you. Let me see if there's any jealousy in their heart. Hey, Benjamin, load his plate up five times more. No jealousy. Kind of squeezed out of them. Okay, now let's really take this a little further. Put my chalice in Benjamin's satchel. Give him a little time to go ahead. All the while, God is, Joseph is revealing to his people, I am more than you think I am. Hey, you guys, somebody took uh, Asaphanea's chastel, his little chalice. It's in your satchel. I kind of melded those two words together there for a second. It's in the satchel. Oh, we wouldn't do that. Come on now, we wouldn't do that. As a matter of fact, whoever has it, that guy will be your prisoner. They set up the terms. 
And they said, okay, let's do that. Everybody line up. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Benjamin. Oh, looky here, looky here. They freak out because they knew what they had just done because Jacob loved Benjamin because Jacob was from Rachel. You Rachels. Yeah. Those all. Never mind. <laughs> Rachel was Jacob's cutie. And Jacob had Benjamin and Joseph from the same woman. So Benjamin was like a substitute Joseph for him. He loses him and says, oh my goodness, we're losing Benjamin. And Judah gets in front of Joseph and starts pleading for a life. And the life he starts pleading for is not who you think he would start pleading for. He doesn't plead for Benjamin's life. He pleads for the common father to all of them, Jacob. If you keep Benjamin, it will kill our dad. We cannot go back without him. It will kill him. Please, 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 don't do this. Please, thank you. Please. Joseph's heart. Because Judah, the head of the tribe, the guy himself, is actually giving indication of what the king, the lion of the tribe of Judah, will actually do. Substitute his life for someone else's life. And Joseph, in that moment, passion coming from his brothers, He, and I'm using this word on purpose, he raptures the Egyptian servants out of the room. They're gone. We who love and honor Israel and the Jewish people connected to this King Jesus, we're like the Egyptian servants. We're going to do whatever you say regarding these people. When you're dealing with a Jew who might not know who Jesus is yet, you're not dealing with a pagan, especially if they're orthodox and they're following, trying to follow this book. It's not like dealing with a Muslim. They know more about this stuff in the first half of the book that will run circles around you. You're not dealing with a pagan. They are interacting with the king of heaven Not knowing who he is, just like Joseph's brothers were interacting with him, the man in charge, not knowing who he is. Until the Egyptians were raptured out of the room. You guys go. Thank you for serving me, because now I'm about to have a private moment with my people. I'm no longer going to speak Egyptian to them. I'm going to speak the language common to both of us, Hebrew. And he revealed his identity, and they went, It's you? You're in charge of all of this? Yeah, it's me. Okay, good, good. What do we do now? Everybody's hungry back home, right? Dad's, how's everybody doing back home? We're hungry. Tell you what, I got Goshen here. Go get all of them. In that moment, go get all of them. In that moment, 
was Paul's fulfillment of all Israel will be saved. I don't know how the king is going to do it. Because what he did through Joseph was very unique. He, Joseph, told his brothers to go back with a message. Those 11 Jews, Jewish men, those tribal leaders, they became evangelists for Joseph. Their own people with a message in their mouths going back to the land where Jacob is and telling them, we have seen the Messiah and his name is Joseph. Let's go. He's got land for us. We are not going to be hungry. And he's in charge of the whole thing. Come on. In that moment, Joseph saved all of Israel. There were only 70 of them. There were only 70, but he saved them all. What if if there's 70 and guy number 69 decides, I'm not going? What would have been his outcome? Starvation. You could pull the plug on that. Since this is going to do that the whole time. Apparently, the Lord does not want. Oh, never mind. What would have been the outcome for that one guy? Starvation. Starvation. If he chose to stay there, because the food was in Egypt. Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know that King Jesus is going to tell his Christian servants? Thank you very much for your love and covering of Israel and the Jewish people. I no longer need your services. I'll meet you there later. Because King Jesus is going to have a private moment with his people one day. And and they will go, we kind of heard it was you. We're thankful. Now please clean this mess up. These people are crazy. Because they want to kill us. All the time. Why? Satan has been after the seed of the woman in the first half of the book. When he heard the seed of the woman is going to crush your head, the first thing he wanted to do was, no, we're not going to have the seed of the woman. I'm going to try to get him killed. Then when that failed, I certainly don't want these people back in their land. We're going to try to kill them. Because if they get back in their land, that means, that means God keeps his promises. And I can't have it, something in the world that is glaring to the entire world that there is a God and he keeps his promises. This was a big problem for Satan. It's a huge problem. The longer it exists, huge problem. We started 400 people. And we've now grown to 7 million. God's up to something. I know he's up to something because you saw John Hagee, who has AG roots. Tongue talking, filled with the spirit, Holy Ghost rolling, John Hagee, standing with staunch Baptist Charles Stanley. You know God's doing something. (laughs) You know. I bring your attention to the second part of our name, Kufi. Christians united. Now I know God's up to something because he got Christians united. We can barely get united over the color of the seats in the church. That'll go into committee. Brother Doodad's going to say something. 
Sister so-and-so says, no, it should be topaz or teal. Well, apparently, Sister Teal won. But we're united. We're united over Israel. Why? Because it's high kingdom business. We get together every year. We go to Washington, D.C. Why? Because this organization is staunchly, unapologetically political. We are political. Make no bones about it. If a Christian has a problem with the church being involved in politics, please sit down. Because the politics, if not taken over by righteous people, will mow you down. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, run. Run. We are like Esther's and Mordecai. If you recall, Haman came up with legislation that was targeted to destroying the Jews in Persia. So that makes me say, you know, Ayatollah Khomeini, you in Iran right now, which is modern-day Persia, when the Ayatollah said, are you guys like reading your history? Because your ancestor, like 2,300 years ago, tried this. Built the gallows for the Jews, wound up dying on the very thing he created to kill the Jews. He wound up dying on that. So you sure you want to build that nuclear weapon? Because apparently the precedent is, whatever you build to destroy the Jews, you will be destroyed on that thing, or by that thing. Whatever you do to Israel, good or bad, will be done to you. It will. Why? Because it's high kingdom business. Why? Because Israel represents God's redemption plan for the entire planet. Can't speak disparagingly against this place, the place where the king will return. I don't care how beautiful your lawn is. Jesus is not coming back here when he returns. He's not coming back to Henderson or Evansville or Nashville or where my people, my family's from Jamaica. Now that might be a close second, I don't know. Beaches there, beautiful. He's not coming back to any place but his capital city. Jerusalem is not only the capital of Israel. It is the capital of God's kingdom on planet Earth. He will rule the world from Jerusalem. This is big business we're dealing with here. I'm telling you, I feel it. So we are unapologetically political. We step into the chambers of our government like Mordecai stepped before Azuerus and said, we need to come up with different legislation to counteract Haman's legislation. And the king said, go do it. So that's what we do. We remind our elected officials that you must come up with legislation that stands with Israel if you're going to be an elected official from our district, from our state. And we gather every year to show them that. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without action is dead. We put action. Here's what we look like. We make no bones about it. We're going to step into D.C., care how murky the swamp is. We're, we're prepared for that, too. We have hazmat suits. And speak truth to power, because it's important. I'm encouraging you to join 
It's because we need your numbers in D.C. Elected officials pay attention to constituents who show up in their offices about an issue. They pay particular attention to that. If you, if you call, you like represent a thousand people who feel the same way but didn't call. If you show up, that number jumps exponentially. It's like 10,000. If you're here on this issue, there are 10,000 people in my district who may feel the same way but did not have the means, maybe, or time to come here. Okay, I'm listening. Seven million? Oh, yeah. They listen. They listen. It's a new day. This issue regarding Israel in the United States of America, because of the first two high kingdom business area, you know, sadly, where we are with those issues. Our position with Israel may be the very thing that has saved our lives as a nation right now. Make no mistake about it. The blessing that we're now receiving is directly connected. Genesis 12.3 tells us, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. We hear the word curse, curse, and we think it's equal. It's not equal in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it's, let me give a paraphrase. I will utterly grind to powder. Anyone who goes to Israel, just shrugging your shoulders and having kind of casual disinterest in Israel, the Lord says, oh, you're despising my redemption plan for the planet? God is loving. He is. But daddy has a belt. He does. And he's not afraid to use it. It might take him a long time. But it does come out. We've seen, we've seen evidence that the belt comes out. <laughs> Join Kufi so that this country will maintain its right position regarding Israel and the Jewish people. Brief testimony for myself. I've been with Kufi since 2014 as a central regional coordinator. I cover from Texas all the way up to North Dakota. I only go to North Dakota in the spring and the fall. I did it during the winter. Brutal. Stepped off the plane, it's like razor blades in the wind. Just cut my suit all up. It was bitterly cold. But it's uh, 20 states. It's a large area, and I'm always thankful. Running into pastors, and I'm glad. Who connected us again? Was it uh, Clifton? Richard Clifton, who went to Israel with me. Pastor Chad is going to Israel with me in December. He'll come. He's going to be ruined be ruined, and, and all of you will get the joyous blessing of that. And I'll be back to review our trip together, so uh, it's great things are coming ahead. It's been a joy working with Pastor Hagee uh, these five years. He is a sweet-spirited man, a humble man. He started Kufi in his 60s. Now, this should be proof positive that no matter how old you are, if there's a seed of vision in your heart, Go for it. Because you don't know what God's going to do with it. In this kingdom, it's not about age. It's about faithfulness. Because we think of beyond this place into the eternal kingdom. Our time frames need to be completely different. Remember what Peter said, 2 Peter 3. Do not forget this one thing. A thousand years is but a day to the Lord. A day is like a thousand years. In other words, words, the perspective of time in the kingdom is completely different. A thousand years is but a day, 24 hours in a day. That's 42 years per hour. 
An hour passes in the kingdom? That's 42 years here. So, 85-year-old person, that's like a two-hour movie to God. When he said, oh, you guys, you first generation, you're balking on my blessing in your life. I got you out of slavery, and you don't want, okay, I'm going to put you on pause for 40 years. That was an hour for God. Just an hour. I'll wait an hour. You'll be gone. And I'll deal with the second generation. That's what he did. Okay, there are four quarters in an hour, so roughly 10 hours per quarter. 10 years per quarter. 10 years per quarter. So 15 minutes passes in heaven. There's 10 years here. So when the Lord, when you, and he said, do not forget this one thing. And he went through that a thousand years is but a day. A day is but a thousand years. This is Second Peter 3. He said, don't forget this because the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. So if you're waiting 10 years for something, the Lord is saying, well, that's like 15 minutes for me. Hang on. Because you're coming into eternity, and eternity is a lot longer than what you're thinking about. That's why if you're 65, 75, do it, because your effects will go into eternity. And when you're there, you're going to lose all the gray hair anyway. You're getting a new body. Do you know that? See, there's always one in every crowd. Woo! Because this, this one's like, woo! Hang on, I'm coming. We're all getting new bodies. That's what this kingdom is about. So start it. Pastor Hagee started Kufi and it has grown to 7 million strong. Today's topics, kind of gone over some of it. An introduction to Kufi. Been talking to you about the kingdom of heaven and Israel, how it is interconnected. You can't just understand the geopolitical significance of Israel. Most people kind of focus on that. That is important. But my objective always is to key you in on the kingdom significance of Israel. And if we don't do that, what winds up happening is people start worshiping Israel and Jewish people and they think they get a little off. But we have to keep it kingdom-centric. That this is focused on what God is doing, King Jesus is doing through Kufi. And then we'll be talking about anti-Semitism and how it's on the rise. Let's go. This is going to be a fire hose of information, friends. Fire hose. So step on your seatbelts. I won't hurt you. Who is Kufi? Kufi. Now, Benjamin Netanyahu refers to us as Kufi. You can call us whatever he wants. We love Benjamin Netanyahu. We call ourselves Kufi because Kufi sounds too close to Goofy, and Disney's got that, and, you know, there's no cartoon operation we're dealing with here. We're dealing with substantive stuff. What did he say about Kufi? He says, I consider Kufi to be a vital part of Israel's national security. Why would the prime minister of Israel, the longest sitting prime minister of Israel, use those kind of words? This is a voluminous statement here. Regarding our organization. Because we're loud against anti-Semitism. We shout it down. Pastor Hagee turns into a bulldog when anti-Semitism shows up. He's loud against it. And he tends to hire people who are similar to himself. We hate anti-Semitism because it's barking against the line from which Jesus came. Horrible. And it is on the rise. Israel's national security. Why? Here's why. Anybody familiar with this man? Taylor Force. Taylor Force did two tours of duty 
in the Middle East, Iraq, Afghanistan, West Point graduate, came back to Nashville as part of a, an educational program, got involved in a student exchange program between Vanderbilt and Israel, went to Israel on that program, went to dinner in Joppa, the city by the sea, where Peter had that vision. He went to dinner there and left the dinner and sadly got stabbed to death by terrorists. U.S. citizen. That in and of itself, horrid. But it got worse because we found out that the Palestinian Authority started paying the terrorist family a stipend for killing him. A lifetime stipend. Turns out that the Palestinian Authority, as a part of their budget annually, designates $325 million to paying off terrorist families. So if you're a terrorist and you kill a Jew or American or anyone innocent and you go to jail, your family's going to get this. If you die in the process, your family's going to get this for life. So if you're an up-to-no-good, deadbeat of a guy... 17, 18, 19, 20, have no future. What are you now incentivized to do? To provide for your family, for life. Shed innocent blood. Now, the United States of America, we are a benevolent country. We have devised a foreign aid package for numerous countries, one of which is Israel. We give $3 billion to Israel annually. And that is a drop in the bucket for what we get in return. We give them weaponry, they tinker with it, and it comes by like, oh wow, we didn't know it could do that. But we do. We know what it can do. They give us back our equipment and say, we fixed it. Because <laughs> they're using it real time. As part of a benevolence program or the foreign aid package of the United States of America, we were giving $300 million to the Palestinian Authority to help them. And their people. So if you remember, their budget to pay the stipend is three $325 million. We were giving them $300 million. They were mingling our money with theirs and spitting it back out. Ostensibly, we were funding their pay-to-slay program. Kufi got wind of that and was like, no, 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 no. Who in Congress is going to sponsor a bill on the Senate and the House side to stop this foolishness? Well, Lindsey Graham raised his hand in the Senate. He's been raising his hand a lot lately. Then we got a companion bill in the House, and Donald Trump, last March, signed into law. It was an omnibus bill. There were a lot of bills in there. And he said, you know, it doesn't have all the appropriations I want for the military, but I'm going to sign it anyway. Inside the bill was the Taylor Force Act that Kufi came up with, and your tax dollars and mine are no longer going to the Palestinian Authority. Done! Done. So when I'm asking you to join, I'm not asking you to join a little rah-rah club. You can wait. Look, I play the shofar. I love it. I wave flags. You have flags draped here. We do more than that. We are literally stopping wickedness unto the Jews. We are. God is using us. So don't sit on the sidelines. Fill this out and leave it with me today. Because you will be joining the tip of the spear of what God is doing on this planet with Israel. Powerful. Save the tax dollars. Pastor Hagee, 
Benjamin Netanyahu have a wonderful relationship. They're friends because we are taking care of business. We're not afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, one of love and a power and sound mind. Here's some things we've done since 2016. The Iran nuclear deal. We're out of that. Done. Thank you, President Trump. We feel that it's just pretty much stupid to give your mortal enemy weaponry. If someone says, we want to kill you, your response should not be, well, here's a gun and here's some money. That's just ridiculous. If someone shows up your, to your house with ill intention, murderous intention, you don't open the door and offer them coffee. The Iran nuclear deal was tantamount to that. The last administration that structured the deal, and I'm being kind here, was feckless and derelict in doing that. They sold this country right down the river. Donald Trump says, enough of that. We're done. We're out. The confirmation of David Friedman as the U.S. ambassador to Israel. Our organization stormed the hill and pushed for his confirmation. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, we pushed for that confirmation as well, behind the scenes, sending a plethora of email. Why? Because we had members who joined, and we alerted them via their email addresses and said, confirm Pompeo, let your senator and your congressman know. And when they clicked send and agreed with our position, it went in their name. Oh boy, when Kufi sends email to D.C., they're like, oh, it's coming. It's like a tsunami. You need to join. You need to join. If you're a member of Kufi, you're already getting our email. Please stand. Please stand. If you're getting our email, members are ready. Thank you. Let's give them a hand, please. Thank you. That means there's opportunity for all of us to be a part of this. The Taylor Force Act, I already explained that to you. Let's talk about the embassy move and the Jerusalem recognition. 1995, the will of the people was already expressed. Congress voted, let's move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And since then, no president would have the guts, afraid, of the world telling him, don't do that, because if you do it, you're going to make people mad. Donald Trump gets in office, he says, okay, someone lay the case for me, for Israel, Jerusalem, moving the embassy. Someone lay the case. Where did he think he went? Who did he think he called? Goodbye. And our powerful leader met with the president. A serious audience. Details of which I cannot expose. But it was a substantive meeting. And don't you know, don't you know, don't you know, the president said, wait a minute, the will of the people? Since 1995? They wouldn't do it? This is what they've wanted? Well, I'll move it. He said, well, Mr. President, they won't like you. He said, I don't care. I don't care. They don't like me anyway. And he moved it. He said he would move it in 2019. 
but he moved it in 2018. Early and under budget. I'm like, who are you? You actually did what you said you're going to... You can't be a politician. You're not. Of the two, moving the embassy and the Jerusalem recognition, I would submit to you that the Jerusalem recognition is far more important. Far more important. Why? Because of Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And God listens to leaders. When Donald Trump recognized Jerusalem, he did not make Jerusalem the capital of Israel. That was already done 3,000 years ago. But when he recognized Jerusalem, what this man did was literally square the executive office of the most powerful nation on planet Earth with the throne room of God. That is serious business, doing that. And in Israel, they look at it as such. They have, you know, the Sanhedrin still exists. And the Sanhedrin is responsible for minting the temple tax coin. And the temple tax coin is a half shekel. And it's, a ha- it's actually a numeric counting device for the people. So the pe- rich or poor, everybody would pay the same. And they would count all the temple tax coins. And they say, oh, that's how many people came to the temple. So they're waiting for their third temple, but they've minted the coin already. It's a commemorative coin, and there are two images on the coin. King Cyrus, who freed them from Babylonian slavery, and also funded their second temple. temple. King Cyrus and Donald Trump. With the hair. You can Google it right now. Sanhedrin temple tax, commemorative coin, Donald Trump. And there you'll see Donald Trump. They've named future communities after him. Trump Heights. They take it seriously because he's done what no one else would do. And when the embassy was moved, our leader. John Hagee was there to give the benediction. It was a sweet moment. It was a moment of huge history. It was a moment, you know, when Donald Trump did that, he not only put himself into American history or modern Israeli history, but biblical history and put our country right along there with it. Here's Pastor Hagee. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Highly significant moment for our country right there. When the king of heaven returns, our embassy will already be there. Our embassy will be there. So they said, the world is going to get upset at you uh, for doing this. The world is going to get upset at Israel. Friends, fake news is real. It does exist. See this caption here. News cameras facing Israel. Now remember, it won't be news until the Jews fight back. Well, what about the provocation that causes them to fight back? If Mexico lobbed a bomb over here and just blew us up with one, what do you think our response would be? If Canada floated a little kite over and burned some some farm fields in New York, what do you think our response would be? It wouldn't be just a little, well, please don't do that again. We'd 
punch him square in the face. Boom! Step back. Don't you dare do that. But Israel, since they gave up Gaza in 2005, 10,000 rockets. And they're supposed to just, well, please, we're not going to respond because we're Israel. People get upset at them that they respond with force. Well, that's too much power. Well, why are you bothering me? If Hamas and Hezbollah would lay down their arms, there would be peace in the Middle East. If Israel lays down their arms, there would be no more Israel. Because Satan wants to destroy them. This is what happened the day after. This was the headline the day after the benediction. The day after the embassy moved. The New York Times says, Israelis kill scores in Gaza. That is a true statement. But it's used as a lie. If you tell a fact out of context, you can literally lie with that fact. Case in point. Let's say we have four people on trial. And the prosecuting attorney gets up and says, Your Honor, these four people killed a man. This one sliced him open. This one, before the slice happened, knocked him out. This one, they stood around holding one another's clothes. And the other guy, he was helping the entire group. They're guilty. And then the judge gets up and says, Well, defending attorney, do you have anything to say? Well, yes, Your Honor, I do. Yes, there was a death. But this person, this was the anesthesiologist who knocked the person out. This individual was the cardiac surgeon who tried to attempt a heart transplant surgery, but it did fail. And these two were the attending physicians in the operating room at the teaching university up the street. They're not guilty, Your Honor. Different context! Yeah! Israelis kill scores in Gaza. They were going after the Hamas operatives on the other side. They would go across enemy lines, identify who the Hamas leaders were, and go, that's one, get him. This one, get him. This one, and they said, yes, they killed all of our leaders. Did we say that? Yeah. They actually, Hamas actually revealed to the world that Israel was killing their leaders. What are your leaders doing there? What are you doing? It's a peaceful protest. Peaceful? Why are you burning tires? Why are you flying Molotov cocktail kites over to Israel and burning their acreage? This is not about peace. You're destructive. Yeah. Let me tell you what else was going on over there. NPR. Listen to what they found. Did you hear that? We want to Burn them. Hitler did that. The word holocaust means burnt offering. Holocaust means burnt offering. It's the same spirit, friends. Same spirit. And we have to counteract this foul spirit. The bottom line is, seek first the... Let's read this together, please. But seek first the... And seeking first the kingdom means just that. Now, I know for a fact we are going long. I know that. Thank you, Bob. It's your fault, brother. You told me. Pastor agreed. When you go to a UK game and, and it goes into overtime, nobody complains. Nobody complains. 
This game's going to overtime. Ah, we're out of here. Throw their popcorn down, walking out. Nobody does that. But in church, if it goes long, it's like, hey, buddy, we got lunch. You better get going. This is kingdom business, friends. Hang in there with me. Hang in there with me. Hang in there with me. Seek first the kingdom. Last I checked, first is not second. First is first. First is first. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, look around you where you are, to the north, to the south, to the east, and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Great deal. It's a huge deal that he was offered. Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteous. But then he says, well, how how can I be sure? I mean, you're just showing up and just talking. How is this going to be concrete or solid for me? Can you give me a guarantee? Walking through the animals, not enough, and putting me to sleep, and you're walking through... Not enough. Okay. How about this? This is the Lord responding. How about how about I swear to God? God said, I swear to God. He did. It's right there. He did. I swear to myself that I will do this. Well, all right, that's that's solid. Now that's not permission for us to swear to God on stuff. He did it. <laughs> It's right there. It's right in front of you. He did do that. And it became strong. So much so that he said, now, Sarah, your wife, she's going to bear a son. And I'm going to start this thing. I'm going to do it through Isaac. The blessing is not through Ishmael. The blessing is through Isaac. Now, Ishmael can get a tag to the land if they come through Isaac. And there are Arab Christians all throughout Israel. I will confirm my covenant with you as a perpetual covenant for his descendants after him. There are numerous verses in the Bible about the promise. Now, if you brought your pen and pad with you, you're going to have opportunity to write these verses down. Let me know when you're ready. Are you ready? You ready to write this down? Okay, here we go. Every prophet, except Malachi, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, talking about the promise of God to Abraham for the land. Did you get that? That's a lot. They, the Jews, are beloved on account of the patriarchs because of the gifts, because the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. High kingdom business, friends. Now, you brought your Bibles. I want you to mark this out. Turn with me, please, to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. Strike that. First Chronicles. First Chronicles. Just go back one book. First Chronicles. I'm about to show you the verse in the Bible where the new name of the fallen angel Lucifer shows up. The first time in our canon, the new name of the fallen angel Lucifer 
that new name shows up somewhere. What is the new name of Lucifer? What name did God give him? What is that name? See, most people say that name really quietly because they think if we say it, he's going to come. Exactly when you say the name Satan, you are actually making fun of him. It's a name that says you're a liar, you're a deceiver, you're a bum. He would love for us to call him Lucifer. Lucifer is a great name. It means light bearer. It means one who bears light. That's why he named that current TV show after himself Lucifer. Why didn't he call it Satan? Here's the verse. <laughs> Here's the verse. Now it's in your Bibles. I'd like you to... Are you in Chronicles right now? Okay, First Chronicles. 21.1. I have it here, but I want you to see it in your Bible. And if you highlight it, highlight it. Because this is the first place in the Bible the new name Satan shows up. Notice, what is he doing? Against whom is he doing it? And how is he getting it done? The first place he shows up with the new name. What's he doing? He's fighting Israel. Why? Because Israel represents God's redemption plan for planet Earth. He's fighting it. How is he getting it done? He provoked. Now between the word provoked and David, you could put the word king. He provoked King David to number the people. And David wasn't supposed to do that. That act of rebellion caused him three days of grief. What I want to highlight here is he's fighting Israel. How is he getting it done? He's using Israel's head of state to get it done. Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. He can't be at your house and my house at the same time. No demon can do that. A third of heaven fell with him. These demons have limited authority, limited attributes. So Satan's way of fighting Israel is he's got to use heads of state to get it done. Because they preside over millions. So when you hear the Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran saying, Death to Israel... Who would you think is behind that? I, I, I have chapter and verse to tell you who's behind it. Satan himself. This verse right here should make you look at the UN in an entirely different manner now. Because the UN is all about heads of states and their representatives fighting Israel. UN's wicked. They're doing some good things somewhere, but but it's far overshadowed by the wickedness they get done trying to fight Israel. The president said, we're done with you guys. We're not giving UNESCO any more money. No more money. He's like, you're the only one who's doing this. And I'll do more if you don't shut up. Oh man, this guy is something else, man. Just absolutely something else. Another verse, you ready? This verse right here. This verse is the verse that screams to the world, God Loves Israel. Now we're all going to read this together. We've been seated for a while, so let us stand up together and read this verse. Please, please rise to your feet. Give you time to stretch. Thank you very much. I'm telling you, Bob, you said let it rip, right? We good? All right. Now, this verse has the words zealous, zeal, zealous in it. So, therefore, you cannot read this verse 
sleepy. You have to read it with gusto. You have to read it as if the foul spirit Satan was standing in front of you right now to declare the very polar opposite of what he wanted done and always wants done, Israel's demise. So we're going to read this together. Zechariah 8, 2. Ready, read. Thus, I am with great, with great, I am, let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. We're zealous for Israel, Lord. We're zealous. We're zealous. You may be seated. You may be seated. This is the verse I would declare to you that God had in his heart creating the United States of America. God created the United States of America. Here's our birthday. Fourth of July, 1776. That's our birthday on the Gregorian calendar. America was not born on July 3rd. America was not born on July 5th. We were born on July 4th, the day that the Continental Congress agreed to the language of the Declaration of Independence. And where there is unity, there the Lord commands the... What date was that on God's calendar? Look, God is not following a calendar named after pagan gods and Roman emperors. He's not. July is named after Julius Caesar. August is named after Augustus Caesar. Then they stopped naming and started counting. Septe was month 7, September. October was month 8, octagon, size. Noviembre 9, 9 was November. And Desi always means 10. December was the 10th month. There are only 10 months in the early calendar. Why? Because the first two months, the first two months at the top of the year, I guess it was just too cold. What are we counting for? There's nothing to do. I don't need a can- just, I'm staying inside. <laughs> but then, of course, the empire expanded and they added two more months at the top. Januarius, pagan god. Februarius, pagan ritual. March, named after Mars, which is a- Apollo, Zeus. April is named after Aphrodite, fertility goddess. May, Mayos is another pagan god in June. Junios, another pagan god, and brings us back to July. God did not name the days of the week, friends. He only named one day. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. Shabbat. It's the only day he named. So where did Sunday come from? Sunday is a pagan name. We worship the sun, the venerable day of the sun. Monday was moon day. Drop the note. In Spanish, they still call it Lunas. Lunas, we're going to worship the moon. Tuesday is from the goddess Tweenus. Wednesday is Woodens. Woodens had a son who had a golden had golden hair and a big old hammer. They've made movies out of him now. What day is that? Thor. Thor's day. Thursday is Thor's day. Friday is Aphrodite, the pagan goddess of love. And then Saturday is named after Saturn, Zeus. You think God did that? No. Now, I'm not saying we stop and do that and, and you know, change the days of the week. We don't do We need to conduct business. But I'm just indicating to you, God has a different system. What is it? What is 
America's Hebraic calendar birthday. What day did July 4th, 1776 fall on on God's calendar that year? There's the date. The 17th of Tammuz, 1776. That is America's Hebraic calendar birthday. Watch the specificity of this. Watch our God. Our Hebraic calendar birthday aligns up with a plethora of things in Jewish history. I'm going to highlight just two. Number one, the destruction of the twin tablets, 1500 B.C., Moses has just received the tablets and he hears this from the Lord. Moses, I know this is the voice from the movie. Moses, get thee down for thy people corrupt themselves. And Moses gotteth himself down there. And what did he see? He saw revelry. He saw people dancing around the god Apis golden calf. I mean, there was revelry going on. The men were going, golden calf, save me from Egypt. And the women were like, golden calf. Tambourines. Golden calf. And Moses and his brother says, Aaron, what are you doing? Aaron looks at his watch. He goes, oh, snaps, you're early. Okay. So I melted this stuff down and poof, gold. And then what happened, guys? Man, you're on your own. (laughs) and you know the rest of the story thousands lost their lives that happened on our Hebraic calendar birthday 1500 BC next thing that happened fast forward 1500 years and we come to the breach of Jerusalem's wall by Titus and Vespucian coming now to squell the Jewish revolt We're tired of you Jews. All you do is rebel against us, we Romans. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to rip your heart out and destroy your temple. What do you think about them apples? That's what we're going to do. But before they can destroy the temple, they had to pierce the wall of Jerusalem. And that happened on our Hebraic calendar birthday as a country. Fascinating. Here's some other indication that God's calendar is so sharp. Before they could destroy the temple, it took them 21 days after destroying the temple, after piercing the the wall, it took them 21 days to get to destroy the temple. So if you were to count 21 days after the 17th of Tammuz, that leads you to the destruction of the second temple. Do you realize both temples, both temples, Solomon's temple and Herod's temple were destroyed on the same day, 600 years apart. 21 days after the 17th of Tammuz is this date, the 9th of Av. And guess what, friends? You couldn't have planned this, having this meeting here today on this date, because yesterday at sundown was the 9th of Av. in that right now. I had a rabbi friend call me last night and say, hey, what are you guys, what are you doing for the ninth of Av? Do you do anything about that? Well, I teach on it. I'm going to be teaching on it tomorrow. The ninth of Av is a day of mourning in the Jewish community because both of their temples were destroyed on the same day. 
And they start counting that morning from the 17th of Tammuz, our Hebraic calendar birthday. They've been doing this since Herod's the temple was destroyed 2,000 years ago. I'm telling you, this country is deeply associated with Israel from our conception. What's the Lord saying about America? Our being born on the 17th of Tammuz on his calendar. It's as if he's saying, America, I know you think your birthday is July 4th, but when I look through my kingdom lens at you, you're born on the 17th of Tammuz. And here's your assignment. America, guard my law. Don't let it get shattered. That's your job. You know how many untold missionaries have come out of our country? Spreading the gospel of the kingdom? Literally, America is responsible for most of the world's published Bibles. We are. And most of those Bibles comes out of my city, Nashville. Thomas Nelson. We literally are propagating the planet with the published word of God. Untold books on this word come from our country. America, don't let my word get shattered. Uphold my word. Have we done so in the other high kingdom business areas? Sadly, no. America, guard my land. Don't let it get breached. Guard her. Now, you're astute. You probably think, you know, the modern state of Israel did not exist in 1776. That second job would take 172 years for this country to mature and take care of the infant Israel. In 1948, there was no nation more suited to guard the infant Israel than the United States of America. It didn't take Harry Truman 11 months, 11 days, or even 11 hours. It only took him 11 minutes to say, Ben-Gurion, we stand with you. We recognize Israel. And God created a nation in a day. 1948, right? You heard me mention that the first Adam, right? 1,948 years leads to Abram. Did you know Jesus was referred to as the last Adam in Romans? The last Adam, not the third, said the last, not the second, because if you say second, that implies a third. He's the last Adam. And from the birth of the last Adam, you count 1,948 years. What does that bring you? Birth of Israel. Two Adams and the number 1948 associated with both of them. The vote that created the partition plan, that created the end of the British mandate that the Brits would be out and, the, and Israel would be in on May 14th, that vote took place on our soil in the first capital of the United States of America. What city was the first capital of the United States of America? Anybody know? New York! New York. Correct. George Washington took his oath of office in 1789, April 30th in New York on Wall Street and walked over to the backyard of the Twin Towers and prayed with his first cabinet, first senators, first Supreme Court justices, there were only six, and they prayed from Psalm 140 to 150. The Psalms asking God to bless America. New York, our soil is responsible for the very place where the the birth of the new nation, the modern state of Israel, will take place. That is the intensity of the 17th of Tammuz, 
our birthday as a country. This country, with all its problems, was created to stand with Israel. We are keepers of the wall and keepers of the word. The 17th of Tammuz and July 4th are one. So is there any wonder that Kufi exists? Is there any wonder that an organization of this magnitude was born right here in the United States of America? If you mean good for this country, and I know you do, yeah, we have problems, but because we have based our foundation on this book, we can come back and fix the problems because this is constantly shedding the light on us. And we fix them. Join this organization. Stick with what God is doing on this planet. All of you have been wonderful. I so appreciate your patience. We've talked about a lot. It has been a fire hose of information, but it leads to something. Leave this with me and be a part of what God is doing. Friends, thank you so much for your time. Pastor.